Hey, BSN listeners, we're excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, help decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2018 at checkout, and you'll get it straight to your door. And welcome into the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. I am AJ Hayfley alongside Andre Simone. We are back here today on a quiet college football weekend, Uh, kind of, in a a way, in that there were no games, but uh, the Heisman Trophy was awarded, and that is enough to give us an entire segment because we're just that good. But before we get into all of that, we have, per usual, a couple of questions that we have to to get to. You guys asked. We've got answers. So um, you might want to sit tight because this first one is going to be memorable. Uh, Andre. What an intro. Wow. Are you ready? I sure Are you am. ready to get to these questions? Because I know you have a daughter to get to IRL. I sure do. Yes. Yes, that's right. That's right. Okay, well, first question, Polly from, I'm going to assume, Waukesha? That'd be my guess. Cool. Polly from Waukesha. Hey, AJ and Andre. I have a highly unconventional 2019 draft draft strategy for the Broncos. See what you think. During during the first seven rounds of the draft, Broncos management will focus on drafting high-need areas like offensive line, cornerback, middle linebacker, defensive nose tackle, and such. No quarterbacks to be drafted in the first seven rounds. Then, on completion of the draft, Denver picks the five best undrafted college free agent quarterbacks to attend a five-day do-or-die training camp quarterback draft competition. Uh, A quarterback draft camp competition. (laughs) It will be a grueling, gut-wrenching, physically punishing, and mentally demanding epic competition. You set it up like the Marines, where the drill instructors and coaches are yelling at them to get off the bus upon their arrival. They'd have to go through tons of punishing physical training and competitive events like completing passes to wide receivers on very typical pass routes, but doing so while blindfolded, (laughs) completing drop back pass routes and finding the one and only one open receiver in less than three three seconds or risk being sprayed by a farm manure spreader. (laughs) Worst performing quarterbacks have to spend the last uh, of their two hours practicing with the Denver Broncos cheerleaders. On the last day, one elite quarterback emerges victorious and moves on to the regular Denver Broncos summer, summer training camp as the starting quarterback of the team. The second best quarterback is relegated to the practice squad. The remaining three quarterbacks will win an autographed photo of Brock Osweiler with their bus tickets home. <laughs> Do you think we could get a good quarterback that way? So, Dre, a lot to unpack here, oh, but... I think if we were going to boil down to the drill down to the essence of the question, would a reality show surrounding quarterbacks and ridiculous uh, tasks produce a starting NFL quarterback? I mean, my main concern is that the the premise of this is you get you you sign the five best undrafted free agents. I don't know how you're going to do that when they have all this competition, and on top of this. Are are put through such a you know 
high high level training and uh you know to some extent embarrassed publicly and uh and and shamed um i love the idea i think actually you you probably sent this letter to the wrong people you send it to some cable networks you know you get into the hundreds on your tv guide you might uh you might find someone willing to to take this pitch i mean heck the cfl might even be open to this there are leagues in uh in europe you know that produce guys like moritz boringer and um they might be open to this as well Yo, the xfl is on its way back and this feels perfect for them right they'd be like oh nfl you have hard knocks we have the greatest reality tv show on earth brought to you from bali um so that aside um no i don't think this is the best solution to find uh to find a, a strong quarterback. I love though that he's guaranteed the starting job. I mean, that does kind of change, change it all. And, you know, luckily the Broncos have 10 picks in this upcoming draft. So they, they can probably manage to, to squeeze one in for a, for a QB. Why, why not? Right. But uh, I love that question. I mean, what, what imagination from Polly really get this out to a, uh, Get this out to some real TV producers and not just uh, guys that do a draft pod. I think, I think you've got something here. Uh, I think the methodology is flawed when it begins with take the five best undrafted quarterbacks. You think uh, that's an oxymoron? I think I think if you were going to do that, you should use the first five picks on quarterbacks and then do it. Wow! Wow! Asian. Because. I mean, you're talking undrafted quarterbacks like you're you're talking about the guy that was on hard knocks with Cleveland that nobody had ever heard of. Guys yeah. like Cephal Lufau, you know, from CU a few years ago yeah. who, you know, could run a college offense but had no accuracy whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, undrafted quarterback like there are good undrafted players that that you can find every year. And obviously Phil Lindsay is a great example of that. Phil Lindsay was also a duh NFL player. Anybody that had watched him play knew he was an NFL player. Like you're talking, und- an undrafted quarterback. Like you're going to make Jake Browning your starting quarterback because of a reality competition. I mean, if Jake Browning earned it the hard way, I'd be more. I'd be. Yeah. I'd. I'd warm Ray. up to him at least. Right. Well, I mean, Vern, my boy Vernon Adams could be available for a call, you know, already Vernon Adams and uh, Jake Browning. I think we're starting to stack stack this roster. Yeah, you know, I'm all I'm all about giving big play VA a chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, why not? But realistically, though, on planet Earth, mm. we can't do it, man. Yeah, I guess so. I I I love the idea that the Broncos would have autographed photos of Brock Osweiler like I mean, sitting around though. That was amazing. I mean, the Broncos did just lose to an undrafted quarterback while starting an undrafted quarterback themselves. So it it does, you know, it's a a really good way to show you how how often undrafted quarterbacks end up being worth anything. As the orphans once said on Angels in the Outfield, it could happen, you know. So You know, it's God, that kid was right about everything. He was. I loved Angels in the Outfield. That was my go-to movie when I'd stay home, uh, when I'd fake stay home sick as a kid. So there's some insights into my personal life. But, Paulie, thank well, you was, so much. 
See, when I was when I was sick growing up, the A team is what I watched. And I know Angels in the outfield. Well, you know, I was in Italy, so middle of the day television wasn't wasn't the luxury you were afforded here in the states. I I tell you what, though, I mean, Angels in the outfield launched Joseph Gordon Levitt's career. I mean, he was the kid, you know. So, yeah. and uh, probably Danny Glover's greatest movie. So, hot take right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come on. As, as, on as, a, you know, as as a lifelong fan of uh, of Lethal Weapon, I can't let that stand. <laughs> I mean, it, that was that was clearly a I'm coming for you, Lethal Weapon fans. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, Baker Mayfield style. I stuck my I stuck my flag into the the Lethal Weapon logo at the at, at midfield. You know, so. All right. Well, I'm going to take that flag and stab you in the face with it. So fair enough. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to our second question. Now that I've now that I've accosted you with sharp objects. Right. Right. Uh, question this week from Litvaksky, who was kind enough to give us a, a breakdown of how to actually say his name. Well done. Shout out you for uh, actually helping us out with that and not yeah. just blowing past it. So Litvaksky asks, what do you think about this year's tackle class? I know last year was not the best. And I still think we need someone, uh, whether we hold on to Valdir or not. I think the biggest impact player we could add to the team would be a top corner if we do not address this in free agency. Thoughts? Thanks for your thoughts. So, Dre, yeah. let's start Let's start with the first part of that. Uh, what do you think about this year's tackle class? I know we've already talked about it a lot this year, certainly compared to last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's, let's get into this. We can also combine a little bit of our news segment uh, in answering this question because uh, two of the top tackle prospects in Yadni Kajust out of West Virginia and Greg Little out of Ole Miss did declare. Yeah. Um, so that answers those questions for those cats. Um, so, hey, how, what do we think about this class? Yeah, we've answered this a couple times before, and it's uh, always a fluid situation. I think when this was asked to us like a month ago, we were higher on the tackle class than we are now after Jonah Williams's, uh let's say, icky performance against Georgia. Uh, but, you know, there is some nice depth. Unlike the last two draft classes, you have a lot more guys that project to be able to uh, play on the blind side that have the, you know, feet and mobility and length combination to do so. So that's exciting, at least as far as raw tools go. We've got more to work with this year than we have uh, the last couple years. Uh, At the top, you have some genuinely intriguing talents who will very likely go in the first round two of which you just mentioned have just declared for the draft jonah williams i just mentioned is the other one lots of people are high on david edwards the right tackle out of wisconsin Uh, he reminds me of veldir quite a bit as kind of a guy who's uh, all size not necessarily the most uh, the greatest athlete uh, but you know a guy who plays sound balanced in pass protection, and like Valdir, maybe won't be an all-pro, might not become, you know, a top-five kind of guy at his position, but can be a solid 10-year starter for you. Uh, You know, that's – and at that position, that's a $10 million player, which is what Valdir is getting paid now. And after that, there's a lot more guys. Um, 
that we could go through. I think the depth is really intriguing. I wouldn't be surprised if as many as 10 offensive tackles went in the first two rounds, um, even, you know, in the top 50 picks. I will say, like Edwards, there are, this class does have a decent amount of right tackles, and that scares me a bit. Uh, Those of you who've heard me the last two years know that on the O-line, I can be a bit of a position snob. I like for you to play left tackle, and I like for you to play right guard. If you're playing right tackle or left guard, I then have some concerns and knock you. But uh, yeah, it's an intriguing class with a lot of... uh, a lot of prospects from blue blood schools, which you kind of like because their tape is a lot more translatable than, uh, you know, some small school gem like an Antonio Garcia, who we were talking up a couple of years ago, but, you know, was a lot more projection than uh, more like a, a guy you could trust to come in right away. This, this year we have lots of guys from top programs and, just a, a nice a nice combination of high-end upside and a decent amount of depth as well. All right. Well, that's a pretty thorough answer there, per usual. And then as far as the corners go, I mean, yeah, we might agree with you. What were you saying last week? Your top guys for the Broncos where they were picking would be Marquise Brown and uh, Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy. And I think you yeah. could put DeAndre Baker in that mix too. I think Baker will be gone, but yes. If Baker's on the board, then yes. Right. Um, Outside, and, you know, the corner class, unlike the tackle class, nice high-end talent. The depth, mm, mm, mm. I've got some concerns about the depth. So, as Litvaski, I think, might be even hinting at, might be smart to jump on corner early and knock that out the way with one of those top guys that we like so much and Baker Murphy or Greedy, and then take care of your other needs at positions that have a little more depth. Yeah, or, I mean, as he as he mentions, you know, if they don't address it in free agency, if they do address it in free agency, you just take it off the list in that first round anyway. Yeah, and the Broncos will have a lot of cap room, and boy, I'd love Kareem Jackson from the Houston Texans, who will be a unrestricted free agent just throwing it out there but you know uh, i mean this team doesn't just need one corner they need like two and maybe like another one and day three for just depth purposes gotta say man i just just some editorializing here i liked uh i liked that 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 yadam you know kind of fought through that he battled on sunday i thought that was one of the few things about that game i actually didn't mind yeah, uh, not 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 incredibly effective, but um, I I just I like I like a guy that just just battles. Maybe that's the hockey in me, where I'm I'm overvaluing a guy uh, based on his his tryhard. Yeah, and I mean that matters a lot in in cornerbacks for sure. I'll I'll say this. I mean, since you opened up the 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 parentheses on on Yad, I might, I might as well close it. I just haven't seen the ability to react quickly when wide receivers are breaking on their routes. That's really got him in trouble. He's just behind every time a guy makes a catch. That touchdown down in the red zone was really disappointing. You know, Pettis just burned him right off the line. That was that was so bad. I mean, you know, that I I just shook my head watching that. I was like, dude, come on. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, there are plays that almost make me think, gosh, at this point, would we not be better off with uh, Brendan Langley? Um, and, you know, I mean, they, they kind of missed on those two picks so far with uh, top 100 picks. And we always talk about top 100 picks and how important it is to nail it and how you've got to get future starters out of them. And so far, those guys have looked borderline at best as far as future starting perspective goes. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Not even borderline at best. They they haven't looked like. I just I I I think Yadam's got a little <laughs> stickiness to him, but I just don't think he can. I I don't feel like you said you don't you don't you know he's not reacting well. I think that's a good way to put it, man. I. I feel like he can he can hang with guys, but when it comes to actually making a play on the ball, uh, he's got a problem there. He needs he needs his coverage to be so good they just don't throw at him. Yeah, yeah, that's fair because his <laughs> ball skills and reaction hasn't been great. And you know he's been used out of position. He should not be playing off coverage. He has to be a press corner with his length and physicality, allow him to be feisty at the line of scrimmage. They're not doing that because they don't trust him. They don't trust anyone, frankly. So they're trying to play off yeah. coverage. They're trying to do this bend-don't-break stuff. It's worked against really good offenses at times, but it's not ideal. And it's not the way they intended to play when they put this defense together or when they drafted these yeah. cornerbacks either. And that's a you know that's at the heart of the problem with uh, lots of the issues that the secondary is having. Well, and it's, I think it's, it's one of the, the issues that all sports organizations, you know, regardless of sport will have, um, the, the difference between, you know, your scouting team that drafts a player and then the way that the coaches actually coach him up, you know, cause those are different departments doing different things in your organization. Right. Right. And if they're not on the same page, man, um, you know, I know certainly we see it with the avalanche all the time, um, but we're seeing it, like you said, we're seeing it. You know, they they draft a guy and then they misuse him. We've seen time and time again in the NFL that if you, especially a cornerback, maybe more so than any other position, um, if if you're used in such a way, you know, if you're a press guy and you're playing and you're you're being asked to play zone, you know, you're you're not going to be able to like that's not what you do. Yeah, yeah. No. You know, that's not that's not who your identity is as a football player. It never has been. You're being asked to do to to become a different player at the highest level possible, and you're going to get chewed up and spit out. And you know that's that's how you end up cutting third round picks in in year two. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know you've got to use guys correctly. And you know, oh, the coaching staff doesn't trust him to do that. Well, you know, then then the 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 front office is going to stop giving them those guys. You know, right. the the it's so frustrating just to see in general how they're they're out of sync at that, at that level, that basic of a level, you know, you bring guys in and you say, okay, we want to use them. Like you don't, you didn't go out and get Cortland Sutton and try and turn him into some speedy, you know, slot wide receiver. That's, that's, you know, right. Used in that way. Right. Like he's, that's not who he yeah. is, you know? So why are you doing it with cornerbacks? It's very, to me, it's very frustrating, but anyway, well, we have one last question for the segment. To get and it's to. why we always value, you know, to me, regardless of position, versatility is key. Being able to play in lots oh, yeah. of different systems is really crucial because when you're put in a situation where all of a sudden your staff doesn't feel comfortable playing press man and wants you to play off, you have the ability to do that. It's why, you know, it's nice to be, to be versatile. Versatility is 
paramount, and I think that's that's true in all sports, really. Well, we see this also, you know, with defensive linemen, for example. You know, when we talk about, oh, is he a is he a four three? Is he a three four? What is he? You know, what role does he play in that scheme? Right. You know, um, if you can do whatever, uh, if it doesn't matter for you, you're going to have more value because that's 32 teams that can make use of you as a player. If you're, you know, in Yadam's case, you know, if you're if you're a guy who needs to have a certain defensive system to to succeed when covering, you know, and then the team drafts you and then they use you in a different way. That's, you know, you're not getting showcased in a way that you can another team that does play your system is going to be able to make use of you as a player. Right. Yep. So, I mean, another another example of why fit when a player gets drafted is so important too. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, fit has be it's like one of those things. The more you learn about how drafts are successful and unsuccessful, when it when it you, a guy finding the right scheme to play in is enormous. Oh yeah, it's huge. It's huge. You're 100 percent right. Especially in the NFL, where the schemes can be so different in, in, in different times, you know, in some right. in some of the sports, you know, I mean, you look at baseball, there's not really a system that you worry about. Hockey systems are all more or less um, the same things. There's there's two or three outliers every year, but they're short lived, so it doesn't matter. Right. And then you know, basket basketball and, and the NFL the systems play a really big yeah. role in how a player succeeds. Yeah, totally. All right, let's get to this last question. Uh, Nick Geyer, anyone heard of Marcus Lindsay or heard he's making some noise at CSU Pueblo? Well, for starters, uh, CSU Pueblo, eighth ranked program in the country per division two. So they are killing it. They just won their first round. Uh, but he is not their star running back. That would be a young man by the name of Marsh Denard. There's an accent on his E, so I'm not quite sure. I apologize to the entire Denard family already. Um, and you know, Lindsay's still young, you know, so he's, he's the second, he's a redshirt freshman and he's the second running back on that team posted decent stats. You should have those handy. Uh, yeah, he's got 84 carries for, uh, 480 yards, five touchdowns along of 38. And, uh, there's a discrepancy in his receiving totals. Um, his game log only shows one catch for negative one yard, but his season totals say two catches for negative two yards. Yeah. So regardless, not a threat out of the backfield. Welcome to finding Division Two stats. But let's remember, you know, Lindsey, as just a high school junior, had broken the all-time rushing record in Denver high school football. Uh, and he went to CU regardless. He recovered from a brutal injury to his knee and wasn't right for like two years before he became a star at Colorado in the power five. I mean, I don't want to say the apple falls fall far from the tree or, you know, the past judgment on a kid who's just a redshirt sophomore and is at a very good division two program. But I'm, you know, that's Lindsay's so damn special. It'd be unfair to put that kind of pressure on his sibling and expect, you know, anything close to the unique and elite skills that his brother has. But we will we will monitor him closely in the next couple of years and wish him nothing the best and hope that CSU Pueblo can make a, a nice run here in the Division Two playoffs. For sure. 
Dre, it's going to do it for segment number one here. Um, as usual, the questions were sufficient to get us through the first part. So we'll take our first Let's break. All right. This is the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back. Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend, and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. And welcome back in segment number two here, the BSM Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Total Bev. I am AJ, he is Andre, we are us, and we are here after a football this uh, weekend, college football this weekend, but somehow the magic of college football found a way to produce huge news that impacted our our podcast. So uh, Kyler Murray won the Heisman Trophy over the weekend, further enhancing uh, the growing storyline of will Kyler Murray enter the NFL draft or won't he? Uh, it seems everybody is weighing in on this. We've talked about it a little bit just in terms of Kyler Murray sh- definitely should because we both think he would be a first-round uh, pick, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the talk right now. So, Andre, what? Uh, where, where would you like uh-huh. to start? Do you want to start? Do you want to start talking about money? Do you want to start with the scouting report of him as a as a player? Um, do you want to, do you want to start with the comparison where he'd be in this class ranked next to the other two first round guys that we like in Herbert or Haskins? Let's start with the scouting report. I think that's okay. kind of, that's, that's what should frame everything else. Right. So we'll start from there. Um, yeah, I've spent a good amount of time since we last recorded digging into this because of course, in an interview with Tim Tebow, Broncos fans might be familiar with the former Florida Gators and other Heisman winning quarterback. Um, You know, he left the option open and has since kept on leaving the option open. And I know that fans of the Oakland A's and the media that covers that team has been concerned. So I've dug into, you know, I've obviously watched Oklahoma a ton. We've talked about it a ton on the show. Uh, He's been a winner. You know, when I could stick him in as a winner, he's been a winner most weeks. Uh, But you know, watching him from an NFL perspective this week. And I just came away so impressed, Uh, you know, for starters, his elusiveness and athleticism is off the charts. You said he was better than Lamar Jackson. I I mean, we could debate that all we want. I agree with you that his quickness is better than Lamar Jackson. His speed might not be at that level, but at a certain point, you know, when you you run a 4-3 and you separate from guys with ease, it doesn't matter. Uh, I think he's <laughs> right. definitely a better passer. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And what's impressive is he's a better passer, having only started one year, having transferred schools, going from Kevin Sumlin's system in Texas A&M, then coming to Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley, having to you know ride the bench for a little bit. 
uh, his ability to process information, stand in the pocket, go through his progressions, make every single throw with ample arm strength, the ability to throw it on the run with accuracy, uh, you know, to to hit hit routes in um, small windows over the middle of the field is impressive. Uh, you know, ball placement deep, accuracy deep is something that I harp on a ton when I talk about quarterbacks. It's maybe one of the most important traits for me. He's got all of that. And, you know, with his size, he's only 5'10", 195. <clears throat> it's really important that you watch him and he show the ability to make throws within the pocket. And I saw not only that I see him be extremely accurate and have ample power uh, within the pocket, I also saw the ability as the pocket's bearing down the interior of the pocket so he can't step in, he stands strong in the pocket and without stepping into the throw can make extremely accurate throws that require a good amount of arm power to the sideline or, or over the middle showing that you know, whether he can see through lanes in the offensive line, Oklahoma definitely has an NFL-sized offensive line. So that's going to translate for sure. Um, you know, whether it's seen through or just having a feel in the pocket, he's got all of that. Now, I should say the one area I saw where he needs to work on, that Sooners offensive line, I mean, it's no wonder that we talked about um, we've talked in spurts about both their offensive tackles on this show because they sometimes are blocking for like five, six seconds. That offensive line has played out of their mind uh, for Murray this season. So he's had a lot of time in the pocket. He's going to have to speed up his progressions. He's going to have to just everything he does will have to, as far as IQ and decision-making – We'll have to be sped up just a little bit. But, you know, that's not his fault. If you're taking the time your offensive line gives you, more power to you. That's the old scouting adage of don't uh, knock a guy for for something that you're not seeing um, and focus on what it is he can do and what he needs to improve on. I'd like to see him speed it up, and I'd like to see him, you know, right now when pressure does come, He's such an amazing athlete that I wouldn't say he's a run-first quarterback, but he's such an electric runner. I mean, the best runner on Oklahoma's team once Rodney Anderson went down. And, you know, the Heisman and one of the most electric um, athletes in all of college football, it's easy for him. Pressure's bearing down. I'm going to flip my way out of it, scramble out, and create a positive play with the athletes you have in the NFL you got to be careful about that, especially at that size. So, you know, just getting more of a feel scrambling to throw versus scrambling to run is another area I'd like to see him improve. But, you know, when you compare him to other Heisman winning quarterbacks that we've seen come out recently, Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, um, Lamar Jackson that we've already compared him to, a guy like Patrick Mahomes who didn't win the Heisman but played in the exact same offense at Texas A&M that Kyler Murray was under because uh, Sumlin is the guy who groomed Cliff Kingsbury, so they play the same exact offense. Um, he's more polished than everyone but Mayfield. I think has a much better arm than Watson. And I, 
think Mayfield was better with like his eye discipline and ability to look off the safety, maybe a bit more accurate. I see a little more arm power in Murray, which is crazy at his frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've talked about his athleticism versus uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, even a guy like Johnny Manziel, who's a comp he might receive. I think he's much more polished, much better arm. And without like a whole like two tiers better athlete than Johnny Menzel ever was, um, and that's not Naki Menzel. It's just to, you know he ran like a four five six. He ran as fast a forty as a uh, Derek Carr did. Uh, Murray would blow those guys out the water. So <laughs> I mean the the size is what makes him really unconventional. But from the tape. I certainly would take a a first round risk because in just one season as a starter, he's done so much. And what I'll say, you know, comparing him to Mayfield, Mayfield did have a couple bad games. Um, you know, there was parts of those Ohio, that Ohio State game where I felt like he just took what the defense gave him, didn't make any special throws, struggled at times in their loss against Iowa State last year, uh, had some issues when Oklahoma State was playing zone threw a bad pick to start the game. Murray really hasn't had a bad game his entire college season. It's just it's just insane um, how prolific he has been in this one season and just taking college football by storm. Of course, this Alabama game will be so huge for him. But, uh, yeah, the kid's got all the talent in the world. I think he's a first-rounder. We said it on last week's pod – and it's sounding like a lot of people are agreeing with us. And I wonder, are they agreeing because they simply agree with us and their eyes function properly like ours? Or is it that guys who are well plugged in, um, like say Todd McShay went on ESPN and said, I'm, I think he's a first rounder or Gil Brandt who just came out with a tweet, um, recently saying you know despite what scott boris may say i think his football future is still open are these guys saying these things because the nfl is telling them hey we think it's a first rounder could you put that out there because they want kyler murray to hear that and be enticed and now we get into the financials and now we get into why going in the first round for murray to go to make that step into the nfl and give up baseball and the close to $5 million he's already signed as a top 10 pick and the MLB draft is so important. But I don't want to jump any steps. You're uh, you're driving here. So uh, I set you up. Where, where do we go from here? Okay, well, uh, since we're going to talk about the money of this, since this seems to be – there seems to be this, this conversation that uh, Murray is going to make – it's a guarantee Murray is going to make way more money playing baseball. Mm-hmm. That's a narrative that Scott Boris, formerly the most powerful agent in all of sports, has really tried to push, and that's Kyler Murray's agent in baseball. So uh, we decided to pull up because we're both geniuses. Oh yes. Uh, we both we both looked at and said, okay, well, what is what is Lamar Jackson making? Right. Right. Um, because right now, um, Kyler Murray's contract, uh, you know, his, his deal with the A's is a $4.6 million signing bonus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not given out all at once. It's not like they just 
you know, it's it's not like Kyler Murray woke up one day and had four point six million dollars in his bank account that wasn't there the other day. Right. Uh, it is paid out over time, but right. that's the bulk of what he will be earning uh, as he works his way through the minor leagues. Uh, compare that to Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's contract um, as the thirty second overall pick. Keep yes. in mind, this is the last pick of the first round. Exactly. Lamar Jackson's contract was a four-year deal worth nine and a half million dollars, including a signing bonus just under five million, with seven and a half of that as guaranteed. So okay. already the guaranteed money is better in football than what he has here. As the 32nd overall pick. If he was drafted, you know, mid first round, you know, maybe, you know, the money the money looks quite a quite a bit different there, you know. Yeah, it does. Uh if if he goes top ten, um, you know Josh Rosen at ten um, got a contract worth seventeen and a half million dollars uh, over four years with a, almost an eleven million dollar signing bonus, and uh, all of it was guaranteed, the entire contract guaranteed. So right. he's no doubt he's going. Josh Rosen, even if he does not make it to the fifth year of his NFL contract, will make seventeen and a half million dollars. Right. As just the tenth pick, right? You know, yeah. and and obviously, I I would say this this it's unlikely, but uh, you know, Baker Mayfield at the as the first overall pick is going to make um, thirty two million dollars. Yeah, and a twenty two million signing yep. bonus, and that- just under twenty two million on the signing bonus. So, how does that compare with what he could make in baseball? Um, well, in baseball, he's a center fielder, and those are not guys who make crazy go-nuts money. The mm-hmm. The conversation is interesting because Kyler Murray is a quarterback uh, in football. If it was any other position in football, this would not be a conversation right. at yeah. all. Yep. But because uh, quarterbacks make far and away the most money, um, it's it's pretty easy for for them to for you to say okay well say Kyler Murray gets to his second contract he's a legit NFL quarterback he's probably going to make 100 million dollars on his second quarterback deal i mean in his sleep jimmy garoppolo got that off of 5 games right derek carr got that off of a decent 4000 yard season 2 years prior to signing his contract. Well, and and I mean Derek Carr is an interesting one because that's a 148 million dollar deal. And that is baseball money, right? Well, there. and 70 million, 70 million of that money got guaranteed. You know, Kirk Cousins just got an entire 90 million dollar contract guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So, you're talking the one position that can be competitive yeah. uh, with baseball is quarterback. Absolutely. Now, the big difference, obviously, baseball contracts are fully guaranteed. Yes. NFL contracts are not. And yep. so that's an obviously a huge difference. But when you look at the fact that he's a center fielder, if you go and you look in, in baseball right now, all right, use the use the 70, what did I say, 72 million guaranteed for Derek Carr? Yeah. Yeah, I thought you said 70, but it's all the same. Okay, $70 million. There are exactly – five center fielders in all of baseball who have 72 million or are making more than $72 million right now. You know, Lorenzo Cain, Adam Jones, Charlie Blackman, Mike Trout, and Jacoby Ellsbury. 
Right now, the low end of that, Lorenzo Kane is at eighty million dollars. The high end of that is Jacoby Ellsbury, who's at one hundred and fifty-three million dollars, and was a huge mistake. Yeah, and I mean, and then, stupid money does get thrown out in baseball. Now, it should be said, all those guys on that list, not to get too far into the, you don't even call it the X's and O's in baseball, but the the baseball X's and O's, um, those guys all significantly better hitters than Kyler Murray is now, and then Kyler Murray realistically projects both with power and average. Yeah, but he, I mean, I, I don't think so. No. Okay. I don't I don't think there's a lot of power in in Kyler Murray's. Well, that's what I'm saying. Those guys project like, as better hitters than he does. I I think he's probably at his very 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 best. He's probably similar to to Adam Jones. Yep. And yep. Adam Jones had a prime where he hit 30 home runs a year. Yeah. Right in that tough, range. Tough to project know. that. Yeah. And so Kyler Murray, I don't I don't see having that kind of uh, those kinds of power numbers. I don't see that kind of upside. Right. You know, maybe, maybe he ends up more like Lorenzo Kane, you know, who's great outfield defense, really, really fast and hits like 10 home runs ish a year. Right. Um, and, and isn't, isn't great. You know, he's a good leadoff guy and gets on base a lot and has a nice average, uh, but does not hit tons of extra base hits. It's it's some and his speed is his number one attribute. And with Kyler Murray, that's where it's going to be. So let's he's getting Ricky Henderson comps. Right. I mean, let's let's say low cane. Let's say low cane is really where he's should expect to be. Uh, And and, you know, he got in his in his mid 30s, he got a five year, 80 million dollar deal. Right. And that's that's great for him. Um, But, you know, in in his career. Um, has not has not earned, will not as a center fielder. Lorenzo Cain will not have earned more than, um, what uh, Murray will get as a quarterback if he makes it through his second NFL contract. Right, and you're and the if, real. And, and I mean, if 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 Murray ends up, you know, getting three contracts, four. I mean, if he ends, look at a guy like Matt Stafford. You know, if he if he ends up in that kind of conversation, he will have made all of the monies. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And now the interesting conversation to me, and you're the perfect person to answer this because you're you're more of the seam head between the two of us. All I, you know, my knowledge of baseball is limited to having created an all-encompassing proprietary metric that's, uh, you know, the same in all sports and nothing of its kind. I kid, I kid. Uh, is um, how soon in his career is Kyler Murray going to start seeing those types of stacks of cash in his baseball career? Well, and that's, that's the other thing. Um, you know, baseball players spend their first, when their service clock starts, they spend their first couple of years in the big leagues making 500 grand. Right. Right. And at no point in, in, in his NFL career, will Kyler Murray be sitting around making, taking home $500,000. Right. No, that's for a, for a full season. That's a pittance for what he'd be making as an NFL first rounder. And then that doesn't even take into account 
would you rather be, you know, the future of a franchise and already playing in the preseason and on the NFL roster and maybe being thrown in and special packages a la Lamar Jackson and, you know, having all the media hype or be kind of put on the shelf for two, three years as you're going through single A, double A, triple A, which he will need to do. This guy took, you know, hadn't played baseball since high school, then played it last summer and all of a sudden was good enough in the Big 12 to get drafted in the top 10 because he's that kind of a special, uh, just incredible talent. He needs 3,000 at-bats in baseball for him to, you know, two, two, I would say two to 3,000 at-bats in baseball. Right. You know, to, to really get to the majors. And it's on the older side for a baseball player. Um, so, you know, usually when you draft a college junior, you expect them to be more MLB ready. That's not necessarily the case with Murray. Uh, so, yeah, you know, his rawness is a big, big, big downside. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to he's going to maybe take three years in the minors, four years in the minors, right. which is a reasonable amount of time for baseball prospects to to kind of grow. Right. And then his first three years, you're making 500 grand somewhere in there. Right. Right. And then after that, he gets to his arbitration years, which usually begin with, oh, he's going to get, you know, he'll he'll make five million dollars and then he'll make nine million dollars and then, you know, he'll make 15 million and then he's on the open market. You know, by that point, he will, you know, and and again, going back to a guy like Lorenzo Cain, you know, Lorenzo Cain will have made. uh about $95 million in his con in his career. Uh-huh. And that's great money. But look at a guy like Matthew Stafford. If he finishes out his current contract, do you have any idea how much money that dude's going to make? I mean, I'd imagine it might be close to half a billion. $262 million. Okay. So I overplayed that. And Stafford has the advantage of being the first overall pick before there was the, the rookie right. rookie cap. So he's, He's been so even, like crazy since year one. You know? Even if you take that out, you're talking about a guy. You're, you're talking about a guy who will have made about 180 million dollars. Right. And I mean, I in, would, his, in his career, I would argue for an average starter, it's easier for a quarterback in the NFL to make that type of money than it is for an average center fielder. I mean, I don't think there's even that much debate as far as that goes. So I think as far as, you know, Scott Boris and some of the people in his camp who are maybe worried about uh, turning their back on 5 million that's already on their plate and signed for are trying Mm -hmm. to make it sound like, Oh, well, clearly the earnings are better in baseball. That's really not the case when you look at it. And that's why I wanted to do this exercise. Uh, Well, and yeah. To look at look closer to home, Case Keenum, right. career earnings. Any any idea what his career earnings will will be after next season when he completes his contract with Denver? I'd guess in the forty million range. Very good, forty three million dollars for a guy that was undrafted. That's not bad at all. Right, so never had the luxury of a first round. You know, those four years getting paid as well as. Uh, Murray or any other first rounder would get paid. Right. Yeah. He he did not make a million dollars in a single season until 2016, did Case Keenum. And you're already talking about $43 million in earnings. 
and he's already, I mean, is per year is making as much as Charlie Blackman, one of the top center fielders in all of baseball. Who's, yeah. Who's being paid as such too. This, this year, uh, Case Keenum got $25 million, uh, which is uh, a higher annual amount than Charlie Blackman will make on his $94 million contract. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, the other little caveat on this is, um, you know, that his his father was a prospect in the Brewers system and uh, decided to go to Texas A&M, had to go to court, but went to Texas A&M to play football, got injured, and that ended his athletic career. And I think at his size, obviously, um, injury concerns are are logical in football, but I think that does also frame part of this, is that someone very close to him in his camp that will be advising him when the season is over and they have to make this very tough decision will be reminding him of how it can all be lost in the blink of an eye. Um, but, you know, as long as he gets out of Oklahoma healthy and this will be his last year, mm-hmm. and, you know, he has some fairly good guarantees that he's going to be a first-rounder, he's basically looking at better money in the immediate in the NFL and long-term earning potential that's almost the same as what you could see in baseball. Um, yeah, as long as he gets to draft day healthy, he will make more money. Mm-hmm. In the immediate, right. Yeah. So final predictions, do you think he – which sport would you, AJ, guess that he picks? I think he'll play baseball. You do? Wow. I do. It's He's already got it. He doesn't have to stay healthy for it. Um, it's already money that he can – he shows up to he shows up to, uh, to training camp and he sticks with it. That $4.6 million will be his. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean so much depends on will the NFL actually, you know, the committee and all that, will they tell him, yes, you're projected to be a first-rounder? Because at his size, there are no certainties as far as that. It would be unprecedented. So that that to me is the bigger thing in this. I do feel like if if Murray does get that assurance though that he's a first rounder, I I just I mean the evidence is clear. He yeah. he prefers football. That's that's his love of the well, game. You know, he, he used to be a high school phenom in football. It's that's his game. And I think if he me, has the chance, that's the route he'll go. It's very telling that everybody in his camp except him has said he'll play baseball. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's been asked the question. He's had multiple opportunities to say, I signed with the A's. I'm going to honor my commitment there. This isn't even a conversation. And he hasn't done it. Yep. That's all he has to say. If he was fully 100% committed, that's all he would have to say. But I think he's he's smart to at least play this out. Absolutely. And, you know, who knows? Maybe after the Bama game, it's all for naught. And maybe after the Bama game, it's like, geez, he's not just a first-rounder. He's a top-ten pick. And, uh, frankly, I would take him ahead of Herbert right now. Oh. And I think it'd be a toss-up with Haskins. So You think so? Yeah, I do. They're both one-year starters. Uh, he's got the much better ability on the move. His tape is more consistent. In some ways, he's more polished, uh, more willing, vertical downfield thrower. Though Haskins, of course, has really come around in that area. Uh, I, I think it'd be it'd be a toss up. 
And as Mel Kuyper said, if he was three inches taller, he would be the first overall pick in the NFL draft, no questions asked. So I think it's well, there you go. I think it's fun that this is a conversation we're able to have. Well, and it's it's fascinating, and it will be, and it and it affects Denver. I mean, it's a team that needs a oh, quarterback. 100%. If you end up with you end up with three first round quarterbacks between Murray, uh, Herbert, and and Haskins, you know that only. And you you mentioned earlier, hey, they've got ten draft picks this year, so you know that's that's ammunition that you're going to need in order to. Uh, go and, uh, you know, yeah. make it happen. Yep. To go and get you one of those dudes. Right. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Boy, I hope he declares. That would make it so fun. That would just light up the draft season. So we'll see. I think his decision has to be made by January 14th. I'm sure we'll find out more. But it's been interesting yep. that after we talked about it on last week's show, or at least talked about how he liked him potentially and wish he would declare the buzz this week has increased significantly of that is more of a possibility than we might have initially thought. So that's pretty cool. Um, it is. So, yeah. All right. That's the Kyler Murray conversation. Come complete with a whole bunch of contract details. There you go. Fun nerds nerding out. That should be the yeah. name of this show. Oh my gosh. No kidding. Okay. <laughs> Let's go ahead and take our second break here. I know you're up against the clock, so we got to get out of here real quick. So we will be right back. This is the BSN Broncos draft podcast presented by total beverage. Now offering buy one, get one on all 75 Colorado craft beers from more than 50 breweries on tap. When you mention BSN, the Colorado Keg House is still the only place to watch the game. It's pretty cool. You walk in, and there's a it's, it's this big bar right in front of you, and you know it's every, all these beers are on tap. They give you this huge menu, and you're able to just flip through it. Anybody anybody that likes any kind of beer, especially made in Colorado, is definitely going to be able to to find something that they like. Uh, you know, personal favorite of mine is the the Apricot Blonde from Dry Dock Brewery out in Aurora. With NHL Game Center and NFL Sunday Ticket. On 27 HD TVs, you're sure to never miss a second of your favorite team. And just when you thought the Colorado Cake House couldn't get any better, they now serve Colorado Spirits. Off Wadsworth and 36th and Broomfield, right next to the First Bank Center, it's the Colorado Cake House. Chips Roofing and Exteriors has served Colorado for more than 17 years. Whether you need roof repair and installation, gutter repair, siding servicing, or anything in between, they are ready and willing to give you their best with no hidden fees. Just listen to what Lori M. said on MerchantCircle.com. They did a fantastic job repairing my flat deck and repairing bad work done by another company. Wonderful work. Chips Roofing and Exteriors pride themselves on delivering exceptional services, expertise, and quality care. This review comes from Matt H. on Google+. I would highly recommend using Chips Roofing. He always shows up and has an extensive knowledge of roofs. Outstanding worksmanship, quality materials, and he will make it right no matter what. If you are looking for an affordable, honest, and hardworking roof contractor in Denver, call Chips Roofing and Exteriors at 720-938-ROOF for a free estimate and no hidden fees. That's 720-938-7663.
And welcome back in, third and final segment of this week's BSN Broncos Draft Podcast, presented by Total Bev. I'm AJ Hayfley, he's Andre Simone, and we are at the slow part of the show here, as we are just going to touch on a couple of names to know, yeah. talk about Will Greer joining the many, many, many players to bail on their bowl game, uh, and start focusing on their NFL draft prospects. Let's just start right there. Let's start with Will Greer. Uh, he he's skipping the bowl game for West Virginia. He's going to go to the Senior Bowl. Uh, he's been a, a quarterback prospect that we have talked a whole bunch about this year. Yeah. What do you make of the news? Uh, the bowl game doesn't bother me. I mean, I know he's the first quarterback to kind of pull this move. Uh, I mean, it's just smart, smart move. You know, there's nothing to gain unless you're in a New Year's Six bowl, and even then, if you're not in the playoffs, I get the mentality. I mean. You know, I'd love to see more tape. I'd love to, you know, watch as much as possible. But I get that it's the, it's a smart, sound decision for the kid to make. Um, I'm really excited to see him in a setting like the Senior Bowl, though. I think that's going to be potentially huge for his stock. He's already got some first-round buzz for some. For me, that's too rich. Uh, but, you know, what he lacks is polished decision-making, his footwork can get erratic. He'll he'll unleash, you know, just insane uh, throws that he has no business um, throwing up for grabs. And this will put him in a more structured environment. It'll give him a start on some professional coaching. Mm-hmm. And it'll allow us to see him in something other than that crazy uh, West Virginia air raid and get a better feel for him. So that's going to be really huge for his uh, projections and potentially for his stock. Though, you know, it's an interesting class because not too many teams really need a quarterback. So that Will Greer first-round hype, at a certain point there's only going to be so many buyers because, you know, a lot of the needy teams took care of business last draft. Uh, Yeah, I mean, when you know, when there's – Five guys in the, uh, I know, in the first round. You know, that's that's a whole lot of jobs that just got taken. So yeah, you know, and then guys like Laletta and uh, Mason Rudolph. You know, yeah, and I mean, you know, like Jimmy G being the forty oh, yeah, nine future quarterback. Uh, that helps thin thin out the options and stuff like that. But Jaguars, Giants, and Broncos at the you know top ish of the draft seem to be the most intrigued by quarterbacks uh so that'll be interesting i mean you've got three top prospects we'll see if uh those just work out nicely and i'll go to those three destinations i uh i'm really looking for jacksonville trading for nick mullins that'll be great all right let's go ahead and uh we've got two names to know we talked about the tackle class earlier uh we're gonna stay right there we're going to talk about two right tackles, though, because the right tackle spot actually is strength of this year's class, and two mm-hmm. guys in particular. Andre, what do we need to know about these two cats? Yeah, both getting some first-round buzz. Cody Ford out of uh, Oklahoma and Jawan Taylor out of Florida. Yes. Yeah, Ford is um, a true, true ass kicker. Um, watching the Kyler Murray tape, you can see him when put on the move. Um you know, he's only 6'4", but 330 pounds, so stocky build. To me, he doesn't have the length to be an offensive tackle, and I don't see the natural bend in pass protection, which concerns me. 
I do think as an interior offensive lineman, though, as a guard, he's probably the top guy in the class and could see some of the first-round buzz. He'll be really interesting to see against Alabama, who does have all the length in the world on that D-line to test him. So that'll be great. Juwan Taylor out of Florida, um, a little better of a mover, uh, pretty sound mechanically. I've said it all along. I prefer their left tackle, um, Ivy, who hasn't been getting nearly as much buzz. Juwan Taylor's the guy. Uh, I like Taylor you know. over Ivy. Do you? I do. I uh, I like uh, I, I like the athlete. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people like is he's a good athlete, and yet he's still got that feistiness. He's a bull and as a run blocker, which you know people go crazy for. Apparently, um, I don't quite get that in the modern NFL, but that's a personal pet peeve. I'd much rather the you know the finesse guy in 2018's version of the NFL than the Mauler, uh, just because, look, that's what works. But I think people get attracted and they see the Mauler and it's easier to appreciate that guy and get enticed by him. Um, and I mean, his his build is great. He looks the part. Again, as I said in the opening of the show, I'm concerned that he's just the right tackle. But I do think he could be a competent right tackle and could also transition, you know, perfectly at guard, um, just as well as Ford, really. So those are two names we got to throw out there since we've talked about the the class and since Bowles has looked better and Valdir's in a contract year. You know, despite my personal preferences, maybe maybe I shouldn't be such a snob to write tackles, and we should consider those guys more since that's exactly what the Broncos need. All right, that's going to do it for our guys this week. Before we get out of here, uh, I hate to transition so quickly into paying the bills, but we got to do that. Um, so, Andre, yes, I have, a, I have a question for you. Oh, yeah, lay it on me. What if I told you that you could order liquor on a mobile app, have it delivered to you on the same day, and save money doing it? I mean, that sounds incredible. All right. Well, that's exactly what I'm telling you is possible because Total De- Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they're locally owned and operated, so you're helping out the local guy, and you know how much we love the local guy. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your holiday parties and have it delivered to your door. Make sure you download the Total Beverage app so that you can uh, get a hold of that offer. That's going to do it for us this week. For Andre Simone, I am AJ Hayfley, and uh, this has been the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. We will see you guys next week.